tonight. We're going to do a question. No one's got to answer out loud, but I want to put something up to get us to think tonight. I saw this this week, and I wanted to just kind of talk about it um, and see what everybody thinks. I, 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 there was a poll on this, and um, I want to see what we think in our church. So in our view, what is the number one greatest problem in the Church of America today? Now, we can be doing good, but we can still have problems, right? And we know that uh, we hope and pray that we as a church are, are thriving and striving to do the very best we can to be the church that God wants us to be. But just like a family, every family has problems. Just like a company, every company has problems. There's always problems, and we can always be better. And uh, so in your view, what is the number one greatest problem in the church of America today? So one is not knowing the word, not knowing the word of God. Um, second possibility would be prayerlessness, not enough prayer. The third one would be that the church is too worldly. Church is worldly, worldliness. And number four, that there's no burden for the lost. So we are going to take a little poll tonight. I, wanna, I want you to think about that just for a few seconds. I'm going to give you a few more seconds to make a decision uh, on what you think is the number one problem of those four, okay? And, and as it says there, if you don't find your list there, you could respond somewhere else, but this is not, we're gonna, not going to give you that option tonight. So those are your four options. So I'm going to give you about another 10 seconds, then I'm going to ask you to raise your hands, and we're going to count, and we're going to see in our church what we think the number one problem is, Okay. And uh, no, this, you're not going to be in trouble or wrong. If you're, you're just, just, it's just to see what you think it is, okay? So not knowing the word of God, not praying enough, being too much like the world, or not having a burden for the lost, okay? So we're going to start on, on that first one. If you think that not knowing the word of God is the, is the number one problem, raise your hand. And keep it up for a second so I can count, okay? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 8, 9, 10, 11, okay, 12. Some of y'all are raising it as other people's raising it. Hey, that's popular. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, somebody remember that, 12, okay? Number two, prayerlessness. If you think not enough prayer is the reason, you raise your hand. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. All right, pretty close so far. 11. 11, think that not enough prayer. Okay, so 12 for not knowing the word, 11 for prayerlessness. Number three, that the church is too worldly. If you think the church is too worldly, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. 10, 11, 12, 13, okay, 13, 14, 15, 16. All right, 16. Now, everybody's got to vote, so if you haven't voted yet, you're stuck with number four, amen? <laughs> or just going to say N-A, not available, amen. Or, or NP, not participating. Okay, so what did I say, 14? Wow, we're pretty, good thing we're not voting tonight. We're, 16? I said 16? Oh, wow. Thank you, Joelle. 16 for worldliness. How many for prayerlessness? 11 and 12 for not knowing the word. So the last one, not having a burden for the lost. Let me see your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. We have a tie. Sixteen. Okay? That's pretty that's pretty good across the board, right? 
So I just wanted us to, this was a poll that was put out by, by a well-known uh, ministry, and so they were wanting to, you know, kind of get the answer. And I'll tell you in a second what the percentages were that came in. And again, it's not like you're right or wrong. But in our church, we're, we're pretty even. Those were pretty even answers, almost close to 25% of each answer. Um, but I want to go over each one, and I want to give you some scriptures tonight. And, um, and I want to make a statement that I did ask you that question, and there always has to be a number one problem. But how many would agree that all four of those are a problem? They're all a problem. And some of you wanted to vote more than once. I mean, those really are four things you might have been saying, man, I don't see this one more important than the other. And there's a lot of things that you could think about. I mean, you could kind of say, well, if we didn't know the word of God, we wouldn't know about prayer and we wouldn't know about worldliness and all that. So there's a lot of truth to that. And you could kind of go along the way of, of, of reasoning with each of those things. Uh, but I, and, I, and these aren't the only problems that the church faces, but I really believe that those are four things that we need to keep in front of us as a church and we need to use that, you know, the Bible says in Corinthians that we should examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. And so we, we hear those, you know, if you're, if you're kind of a new believer tonight and you haven't been saved very long and you want to make it for the Lord, uh, these are things that you have to work on consistently. And if you talk to anybody that's been saved a long time and has made it and has stayed in the walk with the Lord and stayed strong and is bearing fruit, and that's what we should all want, right, is to bear fruit, to stay in the walk, to finish the race. You're going to hear those kind of people say, I, I have to have a prayer life. You're going to, we talk about it all the time. You're going to hear people say, you've got to stay in the word of God. You've got to read the word of God. You're going to hear, hear, hear people say, you've got to separate yourself from the way the world thinks and the way the world does things. And then you're going to, if, if you're really growing, you're going to understand this, and this might be the one that, that takes the longest, unfortunately, is to where you get to a place where you understand, I, I have got to be concerned, and that's what I preached on Sunday morning, and which we're preaching all month about uh, loving our neighbor, is we've got to be concerned that other people don't know, know the Lord. Amen? So let's start off with number one, and not knowing the Word of God. I've got quite a bit of scriptures to, to give to you tonight, and and uh, just to remind you to continue to know that we are translating every service in Spanish, amen, and uh, using those uh, devices. And I know that we'll continue to grow in that area. And so we're thankful that that, that money came in for that. Uh, not knowing the word of God, number one. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says, a verse that many of you would know. And I'm probably going to ask you just to write these down for time because I don't want to uh, have to wait for you to get it open. Hosea says this. It's one of my most favorite verses that I've remembered. He says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. God says, my, my people, my world is not right because they don't know me through my word. Okay, and now one thing that's important to understand is, is I didn't say here, what is the greatest problem with the world? How many noticed that? We're not talking about, we, the, problem, the world's got all kinds of problems we're not, we're not worried about the world's problems. we got to worry about the church's problems because the church has a job. Can I get a better amen? The church has a job. The Bible says that we are, whether you want it to be or not, you have a responsibility. We are light in this dark world. We are the light. 
The Bible says that we are the salt of this earth. We're the ones that give flavor to the earth. We're the ones that are the leaders. We're the ones that have to be at the forefront as a church. And so these are things that we have to understand. He, I did not ask the question, what is the problem with the world today? I said, what is the problem with the church? And so we have to understand that God is saying in Hosea 4.6, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Okay, another verse, Job is quoting in chapter 36 of verse 12, and, and he says this, and we know that Job said lots of wise things, but he said, if, but if they do not obey, they perish by the sword and die without knowledge. Now, in case you didn't know it, this is a good teaching message tonight. Knowledge, whenever you hear the word knowledge in the Bible, it's always tied to wisdom and tied to the word of God, always. When you say, because the world would say, I need more knowledge. And when we know what the world says they need knowledge, the world system would be more education and more understanding of those things. And those things are fine. We need those things for work. We need those things for life. We study. But when we talk about knowledge in the Bible, we're talking about understanding his word. Don't raise your hand, but how many might agree tonight with the statement that, and I've been saying this for years, that the church is, is very illiterate when it comes to the Bible. The church in general. Now, remember, everything we're saying tonight is not about our church or the church down the road. It's just the church in America especially and the church worldwide. We don't know the Bible like we should. And I preached a message on that a while back where I gave statistics that were very staggering um, and, and, and where people didn't even know some of the most simple things. And if you remember that, it was pretty embarrassing. And so we have to... We have to say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn the word of God. That's why we're all here tonight. That's why we have notes. That's why we're writing things down, because we want to learn these things. But Job says, if we don't obey, we'll perish by the sword and die without knowledge. Now, here's a powerful verse out of the Bible about the word of God. Psalms 119.105 says that God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If I want to walk in the, in the ways of God, God's word has to walk before me. It has to be the lamp unto my feet and the light unto my path. Can you say amen? That's what's got to guide us. And so the church has a problem today that we don't read the Bible enough. Listen, none of us read the Bible enough. We can all read the Bible more. Even if you read a lot, we can all read more. Because I promise you, if we began to break down our time of what we spend time on, the time we spend reading the Bible, even if it's a good amount, is probably not as much as we do spend on other things. Don't say that out of condemnation. I say that out of the fact that we're busy, we got a lot of stuff going on, and it's easy to, to make that Bible reading the verse I send you in the morning. Hey, I read the Bible today. Amen. I read the verse pastor sent me in my text. I, I'm helping y'all make sure you read the Bible every single day. Amen. Every single day you're reading at least a verse, but I hope and pray that that's not all you're reading. The last verse for number one, not knowing the word of God, is bind them, sorry, Proverbs 6.21. Another one of my favorite verses when it comes to the word of God. He says you need to bind them. What's he saying by bind them? He's saying bind the words of God around your neck. and Sorry, around your, tie them around your neck and bind them continually unto your heart. It'd be almost like wearing a necklace. You got that word of God around you. But even more than that, it's something that's more intimate than that because it's not something that's just seen on the outside. It's something that's on the inside. Amen? 
So this is a problem. This is something that the, the, the church is lacking in, and this is something where I say, God, I look in the mirror tonight, and I say, I don't want to be the problem. I want to be the solution. Amen? Whenever there's a problem, it's easy to say, hey, there's a problem, right? Look at the world. We're good at, at, at stating the obvious. You ever seen the commercial, Captain Obvious? Right? That's a great commercial about the hotels. They're hilarious. Thank you, Captain Obvious. And so someone might tell you, you got a problem, and you're like, thank you for confirming what I already know. But we don't need people to tell us the problem. We need people to be part of the solution. And so we know there's a lack of reading the Word of God in the church. We can be the solution and get into the Word of God. Number two is prayerlessness. Now, just in case you're wondering, on that, uh, on that poll, number one was not knowing the Word of God in the poll that they did publicly. I, don't, I think there was over 1,000 people that did it, and 52% of those people said not knowing the Word of God was. Now, that doesn't mean tonight that you were wrong. Again, I don't want you to go home saying, man, I failed another test. Amen. That's not the point. I'm not, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just telling you what, the, what whoever they interviewed said. Number two, prayerlessness. I do want you to go look at this, if you would. Luke chapter 18. Just go there with me. And I, want, I want you to see this as several verses, and I think this is important because a lot of times people don't know why they don't pray. And, 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 and uh, I was talking about this with someone today. The, you know, the prayers we learned growing up, uh, now I lay me down to sleep and pray the Lord my soul to keep. You know, there's things we learn as a kid, thank God, that are prayers, and those are good, uh, and memorize things that we learn. But a lot of times the reason we don't pray is because we think that that prayer we just quoted or the prayer we say isn't right. Have you ever felt that way? Like, man, I don't know if that was the right prayer. I don't know if that pleased God. I don't know if that was what I was supposed to say. And we can get intimidated with prayer and think, I don't know how to pray, and so I'm just not going to pray. What have I always told you? The only thing that you can fail on in prayer is not doing it. The only way you can pray wrong is to not pray. If you'll talk to God, and this is something that I have to remember myself, even though I've been saved for a long time, I have to remind myself when I'm praying that I'm not saying words to impress God. How, how foolish is that, right, to try to think that I'm going to impress God today with my words. He's going to be like, wow, that was good, Blake. I mean, it's not going to happen. He's heard it all. He's invented it all. And so what, what will impress him is a talk to him from my heart. Okay, and I talk to him with this, watch, a spirit of humility. Okay, now let's look at this. I, I believe this is something the Lord showed me. This is a very important. Luke 18, verse 9 and we're going to read to 14. It says, also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men, verse 10, went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. So in our day today, one was a believer and one was saved and the other one was a whole bad sinner. Okay, it's basically what this is saying. And the Pharisee stood and prayed with himself, God. I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners and unjust and adulterers or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven 
beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me as a sinner. And Jesus says in this parable, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone, watch this, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Isn't that a little different than how we think? So, so I don't need to come to God with these powerful, amazing uh, words that are eloquent. I need to come to God with a humble heart. And, and not in the sense, don't go to the other sense of that, that you're a little ant and you don't mean anything. That's, that's the problem with us is we're so, we're so easily pushed to one extreme or the other in everything we do. Can I just give you another nugget tonight? Stay in the middle. Stay in the middle on everything. Don't go to one extreme or the other on things. you got to be a person of balance. And so like I said, here you could say, well, I don't want to have eloquent words, but at the same time, man, I, I can't, I'm not even good enough to come into the presence of God. There's a whole lot of verses that tell you that you are. The idea is be real with God. Be real with God and talk to him from your heart. And know that God is not impressed by your words, but he's impressed by you talking to him. Amen. Another one is in Mark chapter 14, verse 36, and I'll just read that. Jesus is actually praying here. Great example. Can you say amen? And he is in the garden, and he says, Abba, Father. And he's got all his disciples there with him. He says, all things are possible for you. And I just, what did I just tell you about being real? Let's watch Jesus be real. Amen? Let's watch our Lord and Savior be real. He says, God, I know all things are possible for you. Father, I know you can do all things. And he says, take this cup. He doesn't even say, can you? He says, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Amen? Jesus is not looking for eloquent words. He is basically saying in the garden, God, Father, now that I've come down from heaven in the flesh and I'm in a, in a physical body, I didn't realize, I've said this so many times, I didn't realize how tough this was going to be. I've always been God, and I am God and I know everything, but I've never been in a physical body, and this feels weird. And I'm facing this thing that I've never faced before called fear. I'm facing this thing I've never felt before called doubt. I'm facing this thing I've never felt before called pain. He's already beginning to feel the pain that's coming upon him. He knows what's coming and says, God, Father, let's change the plan, right? So he's keeping it real. That's, that's what God is looking for. But then he gets a check in his spirit and says, okay, that was my flesh, but not what I want, but what you want. Then watch this, verse 37, or listen, he came and he, so he gets up and he found his disciples sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? And he says, could you not watch one hour? Now, some of you are saying, I can't pray five minutes, an hour. Jesus was saying, can you not watch one hour? And then he says in 38, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. And he makes one of the most powerful, true statements ever. The spirit is willing but the flesh is what? Weak. So why is there prayerlessness in the church? Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
we have to put our flesh into subjection. We, that was a great point that Robert made at the offering. It's easy to make excuses, in, and they're valid. It's easy to justify things. It's easy to be under attack by the enemy and stay home and, and, and miss a service. And I've talked to, I'm not going to say who, of course, but I've talked to more than two people, two or three people just in the last few days who, who missed a service, and, and I just reminded them. And it, I don't, it wasn't like a work thing. It was just they, they just missed. I don't know all the details, but I reminded them that when you miss a service, maybe, and this is by choice, I, we understand work, we understand things you can't control, but when you just miss a service for whatever reason, you never know what message could save your life, change your life, keep you from trouble, keep you from something, just being there at that moment and hearing a message right for you, amen, and I'm never... I'm never uh, cease to be amazed that when I talk to somebody that that message that they needed was the one that was preached, right? And so I just throw that in there because we've got to do what Robert said tonight and say, you know what, I'm going to have pain in my bed or I'm going to have pain at church. Might as well go get the word of God and hang out with the Lord and maybe he'll heal me while I'm here, amen? And so that's kind of the attitude that we can have that God can do something when we come. Because there's always going to be excuses, always going to be reasons, valid reasons. Peter was probably, man, Lord, I'm tired. We're following you around like crazy around here. We're tired. And Jesus says, hey, please pray with me. And so those are the times where we got to say, I'm, I'm going I'm to make my, my flesh subject to me. Right? I'm not going to make my, my, me subject to my flesh. I'm going to tell my flesh, listen, flesh, we're going to spend some time in the presence of God. I'm going to get up a little earlier. I'm going to stay up a little later. I've always told you, whatever time is good for you, that's your time. Don't, it don't matter if it's morning, noon, or night, but make sure you find that time of the day where you can focus on the Lord and you can spend some time in prayer. And you'll be blown away of how much God will talk to you. He'll talk back to you, amen? He'll teach you some things. Number three, worldliness. Oh, by the way, uh, this was an interesting uh, statistics. Only 17% of the people polled thought prayerlessness was a problem. So I think that um, the people who have the problem in America probably are the ones that took the poll, amen, of the church, maybe, because that's a really low number, amen. At least we were at 25% here. So number three, worldliness. A lot of us raised our hand for that tonight, and I agree. I agree. Not necessarily saying that's the number one, because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not putting my input on what I thought was number one, but definitely is, this is a problem in the church today. Because if the Bible's calling us to be light, we can't be light in the darkness. We have to, <clears throat> excuse me, turn the light bulb on. We have to shine, and we have to be like God wants us to be and not like the world. And, and there are things that the church can do and things that the church can use, like technology. It would be foolish of us tonight to say, man, that screen and Instagram and, and videos and all these things, that's of the world, so we're not going to use it. Microphones are of the world, we're not going to use them. Sounds of the world, we're not going to use them. Chairs of the world, we're not going to use chairs, right? There's so many things that we could do and say, <clears throat> and we know that that's foolishness. But the idea is, is that we don't bring the world into where we're at. We bring the Lord in, and, we, and we, we need to be something that the world looks at and says there's something different about them. Amen? There's something different about them. I want what they have. So I want to give you a few verses here. James chapter 4, 
verse 4 is a really, how many know sometimes the word can be real straightforward? Amen. And he says, verse 4 of James 4, adulterers and adulteresses. When was the last time you got called that? Don't answer. Amen. <laughs> That's a tough name right there, right? <laughs> Adulterer and adulteresses, he says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? He says, whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. That's a strong verse right there. That's a Mexico whistle right there. Amen. We cannot be friends with the world and be in love with God. Now, that doesn't mean we can't live in the world. That doesn't mean we don't work in the world. It means that we've got to be different than the world. There are things that this Bible teaches us that we're not supposed to do, and we just obey that. Okay, here's another one. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. Now, you might ask, what, what exactly is he talking about? Well, that's why we go back to number one. We learn what the Bible says is of the world. We learn what the Bible says is pleasing to God. We learn what the Bible says is sin. We learn what the Bible says is right and wrong. And listen, church, we need this more than ever before in our history of our nation. We need a Bible that tells us what's right and wrong. Come on, church. We need, we've got a moral compass. We have something to go by. If we don't have a manual, if we don't have something that says this is right and this is wrong, we're going to be in trouble. And, and unfortunately, that's what's happened in this problem in America, in the church, is that people are afraid to speak God's word. We didn't write it. I didn't write it, and you didn't write it, so I don't have to get up and try to justify it. We just need to answer the questions with the word of God. And just say, hey, what's the question? Here's the answer. The Bible says, the Bible says, God says, amen? And not try to sugarcoat it and not try to fix it. Just say what the Bible says and let it be that way. That, I think, is a humongous problem today. And that's kind of going back to number one, but it's a humongous problem. The reason that we're worldly is because we don't just go by what the Bible says. We try to manipulate the word and change the word. And why do you think Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away? And that's why also why he said in the same book of James, he said, there is no variance in me. He says, I don't change. I change not. Amen. And so he says, let me finish that verse. 1 John 2, 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. And he says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Okay, so we have got to love God and not the world. Last one, very key verse. Romans chapter 12 of number three, worldliness, the problem of worldliness. Um, 22% of the poll thought worldliness was, a, was the number one problem. Here's a good one. And do not be conformed, Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I, I want to interject this tonight and kind of piggyback off of what we've been talking about recently. There is an agenda in the media. There's an agenda. There, there are commercials. There are things that are stated and said and that, that want to brainwash us. 
that want to get us to believe things and accept things and, 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 and not stand for things. And, and that's exactly what we're talking about. So the day we're living in of social media, that can be a humongous blessing. We have to be very careful. We have to watch what, what comes in and what enters in through our mind, what comes into our thought life. I mentioned that Sunday night. I said we have to think on those things that are noble. Think on those things that are true. Think on those things that are pure. And, and I mentioned how we have to learn to meditate, even though that word sounds weird, because that's kind of, you know, they'll use it in New Age. The Bible says meditate on these things, meaning stop and focus and think on these things. Amen? If we're reading the word and we're meditating on the word, then we're, we're conforming our minds to the things of God. And, but the, the media and, 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 and uh, social media and, and news and TV and movies, they are going to state things and say things that are going to try to change the way you think. And, and now we have a generation that only knows social media. And, and I kind of mentioned this uh, in, in discipleship on Friday morning, that a lot of times now, if any kind of accusation comes out about, uh, about somebody or anybody says something on social media, we just believe it. That must be true, because they said it. And, and today, and I said this as well, I'm not saying people don't do bad things. There's a lot of scandals going on. There's a lot of wickedness. There's a lot of, of, of bad things happening. But it's sad that when we hear something on the media that we just automatically say, oh, that's got to be true. It's on the news. And, and I even stated with the, with the passing of Billy Graham, can you imagine if something came out right now? He's already in the ground. He's already been in the grave. He's already uh, physically gone and spiritually in heaven. He lived a life where he never had an accusation while he was alive. But what if somebody came out on the news tomorrow and said something happened? Would we believe it? Well, it must be true because it's on the news. And that kind of comes back into the church where if, if you know somebody, I mean, you start to get to know somebody. You start to talk to them. You start to maybe go eat with them. You become friends with them. You start to watch their life. And you begin to get to know that person in, in, in the Lord and as a friend. And what if someone came to you? I came and, and, and said to, to, to Dwayne, hey, man, so-and-so, man, did you hear what he did? And, and Dwayne knows so-and-so real well. And they've been friends for a long time. They've done ministry together. He's only known one side of that person. And, but because I said, did you hear what so-and-so did? he might automatically just say, wow, and change the way he thinks about that person just because of what I said. And, and I believe that we should be the other way around. I don't really know why I'm, why I'm interjecting this part here, but it's really been in my spirit a lot lately because we believe too much of what we hear. Whatever happened to innocent till proven guilty? Nowadays, people are guilty before they even get a chance to defend themselves. I mean, think about, put yourself, now I'm not talking about this kid that just killed a bunch of people. I'm not, I'm talking about slander. I'm talking about accusations that could be made against anybody. We've got to be a people that say, you know what, until, and this is how as Christians we have to be, until somebody proves me wrong on that person, I'm going to believe what I believe about them until they show, something shows me different. We can't just be like waves tossed in the sea. Well, this is how they are. Oh, that's how they are. Oh, this is how they are. Oh, that's how they are. Don't listen to what the people say. Listen to what they say. Amen. I don't know why I said all that, but maybe that will help somebody. Amen. So do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Number four, 
a problem in America, church, today is there is not a burden for the lost. I mentioned to you on Sunday morning as I was doing that illustrated sermon that this was a, a nerve for me. It's still a nerve for me today, but nothing like it was before because I'm trying to help us be a church that has a thought on the lost. Always thinking about how we can reach out to the lost and, and, and not just in outreaches, but in our daily walks. Amen. Uh, a very wise man told me this week, as I was talking to him, he said, let, let the boots do the walking, meaning you personally can do more talking to somebody and, and, and having that relationship with somebody than an outreach can ever do. That doesn't mean we're not going to do outreaches. But how many know that you personally can affect somebody's life better in relationship than an outreach can? Amen? Because you're, 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 you're physically there. You're showing that love. That's why we talked about uh, doing those things of acts of kindness. It's more than just words. And we've got to have a burden for the lost. And I'm going to make this statement again. If you are a believer, you say you love Jesus Christ, you say you believe in the word of God, and you don't have a burden for lost people, you might be fooling yourself that you're a believer. I'm just going to say that as bold as I can, as straightforward as I can. It is impossible to be a child of God and be saved and not care about people going to hell. Come on, give me a better amen. If you don't believe that, that's fine. You don't have to, but that's the truth. Because if Jesus Christ said in his word, God did, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life because God did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. If that is the heart of God, how is that not our heart? How can I claim to be a Christian, which means follower of Christ, if I hear something on the news and I'm not bothered that that person is maybe possibly in, in hell, that they've passed into eternity? Amen? Doesn't mean that I'm not going to fail on the opportunities. Doesn't mean that there's not going to be times I should have opened my mouth. But at least at the core of your heart, you care. I feel like I know, I've known people over the years that I question, not, not because I'm trying to be judgmental, I question if they care about people being lost. Like it, it's almost like they're so caught up in their world in their problems that they don't care about anybody else. That's not healthy. You know what's healthy tonight? You begin, to, and me and my dad were talking about this this week, you begin to look at life in a way that, hey, I just, I have a problem. Man, I've got an issue right now. I'm struggling with something. I've got a bill to be paid, or I'm physically ailing, or I've got a family problem. But, boy, I promise myself there's somebody who has something so much worse than I do right now. If you would train your mind like that and realize somebody's got it worse, your life would change. I mean that. Somebody has it worse. So here's what Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8 says. He says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? God is looking for somebody to G-O. God is looking for somebody to do his work. He says, who can I send? And that verse goes on to say, he says, who will go for us? And then I said, Isaiah says, here I am, send me. Do you realize tonight, I want to reiterate this again tonight, it's crazy to think about, but it's a fact. And it's not going to change. 
God has chosen to save the world through us. It's just that, that's what he, he's not going to rewrite the book. He's not going to say, well, it didn't work. I don't know why he did it, but he said in his word, he chose in his word, I'm going to see the world saved through my people. If my, and, and, and we could go into Ezekiel where it says, if you don't preach the word of God to them, that blood is on your hands. I, I, none of this stuff is to make us feel condemned. I'm just telling you that it's a crazy thing to remind ourselves God chose to save the world through us. Jesus did the, 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 the dying, and we're supposed to do the preaching. We're supposed to do the telling. I, I saw, let me give you one more verse just to, just to close, and I'm going to tell you something. Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, first to the Jew, for those who believe, first to the Jew, and then also to the Greek. Okay, this is important. Proverbs 11.30 says, he who wins souls is wise. There was, a, there was a, a, a great video that I would recommend you find. And, and when I recommend something like this, this I want to I say that this doesn't mean that I know everything that person does in their life. But at, right after Billy Graham, is it okay that I talk about Billy Graham a lot? Does anybody else admire that guy? All right, just making sure. Some of the, the sad thing is a lot of you are so new in the Lord and so young in the Lord, you don't even know about him because he was 99. But he may be the greatest evangelist since Jesus. No one has ever touched as many people because of media and all that. Over 200 million people, they said, got saved through this man. He, and, and like I said, he lived a, a scandalous life. But uh, I want, if you want to see something powerful about what I'm talking about here, unadulterated, straight truth, just speaking it in truth, Again, I don't know the woman, and there are some things that I don't, I don't agree with everything about her. But Kathy Lee Gifford was on her show. She does a morning show. And she, she was being interviewed by her co-host, which is not a, not a believer. I think her name is Megan Fox. You can YouTube this. And she's in the crowd, and all the people are there. All the, you know, the, all, however many people are there. And the lady asked her about Billy Graham. And she began to mention that her mom and dad and her brothers and sisters and her, all those people got saved because they went to a Billy Graham crusade. But man, she begins to preach on this little segment of about two minutes. And she says straightforward, this is why I wanted, why I wanted to say this. She says in that interview, and I've, I watched it several times and I showed my dad. She, 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 says, there, she says, if you had the cure to cancer, wouldn't you tell everybody about it? She says, there is only one person who can cure the human soul. And she didn't say it's God. She said, his name is Jesus Christ. And she said it so clearly and so boldly. And I began to watch that thing. And people behind in the back, you can see people wiping tears. God was touching people through this little segment. The reason I'm saying that is we have to be clear. We have to, we don't, you, it's, not, it's not enough today just to say God. You've got to say Jesus Christ. Christ is the Lord. He's the Savior. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Amen. And, and I, I know Billy Graham would have been proud of her. She straight preached in that little two or three minutes. And, and, and she was so influential. And you could tell at the end that she was making it an impact on Megan Fox. 
That's, that's what we're supposed to do, church. We're supposed to make an impact on people. If we're around somebody, they should be getting something from us. And matter of fact, they're going to get something from you. you got to ask yourself the question, what am I giving? What am I, what, 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 when, I'm with, when I'm one-on-one with somebody, when I'm in a room with somebody, do they leave the room better off than when they met me? Do they leave the room knowing the Jesus that lives inside of me? Are y'all following me? And this all goes back to all four of these things. I cannot be an effective soul winner if I don't know the word of God. You have to know the product to sell a product. Come on, church. Don't, Don't shout me down here. This is the truth. You can't sell a product if you don't know the product. You got to read the word of God to know what you're selling. And when I say sell, you understand what I'm saying. Can't give something, explain something if you don't know how to use it yourself. You're not going to affect somebody with the gospel of Jesus Christ if you haven't been in his presence. The Bible says in, in the Bible, it talks about Jesus, his disciples, and they said these men are uneducated. They don't know anything, but they've been with him. There's something in them that, was, that came from him. And with prayer, you get something from the Lord. You're not going to be an effective witness if you are in love with this world. You're not going to change anybody's life because you know what they're going to say? If you're a Christian, anybody can be a Christian. What's different about you and the person I work with on the left? If you are no different... If you talk like them, act like them, walk like them, do like them, they're not going to want what you have. They've got to see. And I'm not talking about your makeup. I'm not talking about the clothes. I'm talking about your lifestyle. You've got to be living a life that they say, man, I want what you have. I don't know what it is, but I want it. That's, That's the challenge tonight, church. Those four problems all work together hand in hand. And so we, tonight as a church, continue to say, Lord, I'm going to examine myself. Amen. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm going to examine myself. I'm going to look in the mirror tonight and I'm going to say, God, which one of these is my biggest problem? And let me give you some good news. We all four, all of us struggle with all four. If you sit in here tonight and say you got all four of those together, we need to add a fifth one that says lying. Amen. We all struggle with the word, reading the word of God enough. We all struggle with praying enough. We all struggle with this world because, listen, this world's never going to let you go. This world's never going to stop trying to influence you. This world's never going to stop trying to come in and, 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 and guide you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be in the billboard. It's going to be on TV. It's going to be all around And the devil does not want you to reach people that are lost. He wants people to go to hell with him. So they all work hand in hand tonight. So I I accept this challenge. I hope you accept this challenge. Don't ever get to the place where you don't want to be challenged. We need to be challenged by his word. But don't be condemned either. Be convicted. Say, God, I want to work on these areas. I want to work on all four of them. I want to be a better soul winner. I want to be less like this world. I want to have a stronger prayer life. And I want to know the product that I'm living, which is your word. How many tonight as we close all over this place, 
from side to side and back to front to back could say, you know what, you're, you're speaking to me tonight. I'm not sure if I were to pass into eternity right now where I'd go. I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if, as the Bible says, that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That's all that matters tonight is this, is your name in the Lamb's book of life. If you're here and you don't know that tonight and you're not sure, I, I want you to know you can know by a simple prayer tonight. How many would say, that's me? Would you just lift your hand up, slip your hand up, eyes are closed, nobody's looking around. I'm not sure tonight. If I passed into eternity, where I'd go? Amen. Maybe you're here tonight and at some point in your life, you, you knew the Lord. You said that prayer. You believed on God, but tonight the world's got you. You've fallen back into the old ways. You've, you've gone back to the things you used to do. And tonight you want to say, Lord, I'm, I want to get back in love with you tonight again. I want to get back uh, in relationship with you. How many say, that's me? No one's looking around. It's between you and God. Just lift your hand up. Just say, that's me. God, you see my heart tonight. You see my, amen. God bless you. God sees those hands. God sees those hearts. That's between you and the Lord. And tonight you can say a prayer and say, God, I want to get back tonight. And the awesome thing about God is he's not going to send you out with a laundry list of things you got to change. He's just going to say, give me your heart back. And I'll change it tonight. Let's stand to our feet tonight. I want to open up the altars. Amen. We're a church that believes that this part of the church is an, is an awesome place to just make decisions. And so we're going to sing a song for a moment here. And uh, just allow us to just come and find a place. And there's something powerful about standing or kneeling or getting on our knees and just just, just talking to the Lord and saying, God, here, here's some decisions I'm making tonight. God, I, I, I've got a hunger for your word. I've got to read it more. God, I, I know I'm not praying enough. I'm going to begin to be a, a person of prayer. Amen. Whatever it is that you're working on, just talk to God tonight. He's here. He's here in this place. I am with 